what we're saying is that sexual sin is actually a worship issue. We're giving the best of ourselves to something less than God. And we are giving ourselves to something He created rather than giving ourselves to the Creator Himself. Sex without God reveals sex has become your God. You're willing to sacrifice your relationship with God in order to maintain your relationship with whatever object of sex you're focused on. Welcome to Resonate with Trent Griffith, Senior Pastor of Harvest Bible Chapel in Granger, Indiana. I'm Aaron Paulus. We'll continue today with a message from Pastor Trent called Be Bold About the Significance of Marriage. If there ever was a time that the Church of Jesus Christ needed solid biblical teaching about sex and marriage, the time is now. The institution of marriage is severely under attack, and sadly, issues such as divorce, cohabitation, and the union of same-sex couples has been casually accepted in our culture and has become a relevant struggle within the church. So how can we as believers guard ourselves from adopting the world's view of sex and marriage? Listen now as Pastor Trent teaches us how to protect ourselves from sexual sin and gives us three things that we can do to honor the significance of marriage. Here's Pastor Trent. We want to make sure that we honor marriage and keep the marriage bed undefiled for God will judge the sexually immoral and the adulterous. We think we can have sex without marriage. We think we can have sex without companionship. And so we've created a hookup culture. We've created a culture where we don't think of sex in terms of loving someone If sex is just a means to fulfill your selfish pleasure, you don't have to love someone, you just have to use someone. And so we begin to give ourselves physically to someone who will not give us their heart, will not give us the rest of their lives. We want to be, we want to feel loved, but we don't even know the person that we're in a relationship with because there's no companionship. And the culture has now made it possible for you to have sex without a partner. Who needs a person when you have a smartphone that will create digital images, that will create thoughts and chemical explosions in your mind that will give you the false sense of sexual pleasure? outside of the context that God created you to experience that in covenant marriage. The culture holds out to you the promise of sex without gender. And today, this is the hot-button issue. It's the final departure from God's design for sex. When our gender is detached from God's divine design to think of gender and sexual orientation as something that I choose rather than something God assigns, then I think of sex without gender. Despite the self-evident biological compatibility that God has built into the human anatomy, we've created a whole infinite array of genders outside of male, female. 
That's why we have a culture in which Glamour magazine announced their woman of the year was, wait for it, Bruce Jenner. You say, don't you mean Caitlyn Jenner? No, I mean Bruce. Because, I don't know, I, when I was in eighth grade, I took this science class, and I learned about these chromosomes. And uh, in every cell of the body, there's either an XX chromosome, which assigns your gender female, or there's an XY chromosome that assigns your gender male. It's a wonderful creative thing that God's done in every cell of your body. You say, but, and I want to be sensitive to those of you that have a same-sex attraction or that, that you have a loved one that has a same-sex attraction. By the way, just get it on the table here. Does anybody have a friend, a loved one that has a same-sex attraction? Hold up your hand. Hold up your hand. I, I have a friend that I pray for and I love, and, and he identifies himself as a gay Christian. And um, there's material being written. There's... Um, people that are trying to go back and do a different kind of understanding of the Bible that seeks to give an alternate definition to the six passages in the Bible that very clearly tell us that God assigns gender and that anything outside of that is sexual sin. Come on. I'm grateful for other theologians who have actually come out and said, you know what, I have a same-sex attraction, but I am committed to being sexually pure and celibate. And I pray that God changes that, but he may never change that. But you know what? I'm not going to act on the attraction because I know it's outside the boundaries of what God would have for me. So what do you say to a person that says, I believe I was born that way? Do you believe people are born that way? Listen, I don't, I don't pretend to know all the different factors that go into why someone would have a same-sex attraction. But I do know this, biblically, historically, sociologically, and personally, there is a mountain of evidence that tells us everyone is born with a disorientation away from God. Do you know that? Every one of us is a born sexual sinner. Everybody. That means that we are a magnet to sin and we are allergic to God and we want to go our own way. And so when it comes to the issue of sex, everybody is bent toward an orientation that is outside the boundaries God has for us. Are you familiar with the movie Woodlawn? Have you seen this? We actually hosted the premiere for Woodlawn down at the Morris. How many of you were at that event? Did you see that? For those of you there, did you see what was happening about 15 minutes before the event as the actors arrived? This happened. Now, if you look close, that is your pastor sitting in a 2015 Corvette. How did that happen? Don't get nervous. I drive a 10-year-old Mazda, okay? So, so what that is was a friend tossed the keys to me because the actors actually arrived in that. Sean Aston kind of drove up in that. We wanted to make a big deal for him. And, and he, the owner of the vehicle tossed me the keys. And so now that he's gotten out, I need you to take it back three blocks away and park it until we can find somebody that actually is a good driver to take it back to the lot where it will be sold. And so I got the keys and I got in and I got to drive this thing. Now, let me just tell you something. 
the way I was born, I was born to go fast, all right? <laughs> and I got in that thing and every desire in my body was to burn out right there in front of the Morris and all my church members and my kids and God and everybody and just lay down some rubber. And I'm telling you, I seriously, seriously thought about that. I was wondering how many video cameras were rolling at that point and how long the jail sentence would be uh, and what the cost and the payoff of all. I mean, seriously, those things were going through my mind. But for the sake of my children, <laughs> I restrained myself. Now, I could have rationalized. This is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Um, I could have rationalized the people that make traffic laws are stupid and do not understand my desires to go fast. Completely underestimating my skills as a driver, I could have done all that. So why are the laws there? The laws are there for the common good. What if I had taken the Mustang through a school zone at 150 miles an hour? And I was pulled over and the officer came up and said, what are you thinking? I was born to go fast. And he would say, well, we have some laws around here for the protection of children. You have to limit your speed. You have to drive in the proper lane. You have to limit your freedom for the flourishing of all. A few have to limit what they do with their desires. Do you get my picture? You understand what I'm saying? Listen, we are all sexual sinners. If you struggle with the same sex attraction, I can identify with you. I struggle with an opposite sex attraction, okay? My, my wife is sitting on the front row. Dare I say, I'm attracted to other women. <gasps> Pastor Trent's attracted to other women. Let's all pray. You hypocrite, so are you. But you know what my wife expects me to do? My wife expects me to limit my freedom and to focus intentionally upon her. My children expect that. My church expects that. So if your excuse for involving yourself in same-sex activity is that you were born that way, I'm sorry, we were all born to sin. And yet what the gospel does is gives us power to resist the temptation. Sexual sin begins with sexual temptation. Sexual temptation is not sin until you act upon it, until you press the accelerator. And so what you do is you get in the lane despite the desire that God has assigned you to run in. I believe that certain people are born with a predisposition to anger. We don't allow them to go beat people up. We say, don't, don't do that. Some people are born with a predisposition to alcohol. We say, you know what, it's probably good for you not to drink. We expect you to drink less, not drink more. Some people are born possibly with a same-sex attraction or an opposite-sex attraction, and we say to you, you know what? How are you going to deal with that temptation? 
knowing what God has said are the lanes that he designed you to run in. What we're saying is that sexual sin is actually a worship issue. We're giving the best of ourselves to something less than God. And we are giving ourselves to something he created rather than giving ourselves to the creator himself. Sex without God reveals sex has become your God. You're willing to sacrifice your relationship with God in order to maintain your relationship with whatever object of sex you're focused on. So here's the third question. How do I honor the significance of marriage? So what can you personally do to honor marriage? No matter you're single, you're married, you're same-sex attracted, you're opposite-sex attracted, what do you do? Well, here's the first thing. For all of us is a commitment. I will protect my marriage from sexual sin. You've got your Bibles open now to Romans chapter 1. You have it? Look in verse 18. He says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness. Every sin will be settled in the courtroom of God, either on the cross in Jesus Christ or by experiencing wrath upon yourself. Wrath is not an option. The question is, is God going to divert his wrath for your sin to Jesus on the cross, or are you going to absorb it yourself? It all depends on what you do with his offer of grace. If you accept his offer of grace, if you put your life and your sexual life under the lordship of Jesus Christ, he will divert his wrath to Jesus Christ. If you refuse, if you resist, if you rationalize, if you justify, if you blame others for your sexual sin, you will become the object of God's wrath. Sadly, it doesn't have to be that way. Verse 18 says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all unrighteousness. All homosexual unrighteousness. All heterosexual unrighteousness. It's all in the same bucket. It's all unrighteousness. And unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. The word suppress means to choke out or hide under or bury the truth. What you're hearing today is truth. And if you're not careful, it's going to be hard for you to think of living this way. And so instead of receiving it, You want to suppress it and find an excuse why you're the way you are and why that can't be true. That's what sinful men do who won't repent. But men and women who put their lives under the Lord Jesus Christ, they protect their marriage from sexual sin. Look down at verse 24. Therefore, God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves. God that created this body to be honored in the context of marriage, the honor of marriage. He says now they're dishonoring 
their bodies because they're using their bodies in sexual relationship outside of God's intended purpose. They're driving outside the lanes they were designed to drive in and it's bringing dishonor to the body. And then it notice it says because of their repeated unrepentance, because of their repeated insistence to go their own way and drive in forbidden lanes, God gave them up. Do you understand that guilt is a gift? If I lay my hand on a hot stove, there will be a sensation of pain that will run up my arm through the nerve endings and into my brain, which will signal neutrons and protons or something to go back down my arm and motivate my arm to get off the hot stove. Is, that, is pain a good thing? Pain is a gift. Otherwise, I would fry my arm off. God wants me to keep my arm, so he gives me pain. It's a wonderful thing you put in the body. God has put within the human soul guilt to warn you when you are doing things that's going to destroy you personally, sexually, and in your family so that it would motivate you to change directions and to get off. Listen, guilt is a gift. You shouldn't be concerned if you're experiencing tremendous guilt right now. You should be concerned if you're not because there comes a point that God will actually give you up and says, if, if you want it, have at it. Let's see how that works for you. And God backs away. And so if you're not experiencing guilt because you've done it so often and you've seared your conscience so much, that ought to scare you to death. That is the ultimate judgment that God leaves you to pursue your own passion apart from Him. But we need to protect our marriages from sexual sin. Here's the second thing. I will exchange sexual lies for the truth. Look here in verse 25. Because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. What's the root of all sexual sin? You're believing a lie. You are allowing a definition of sex that God didn't right. Who lied to you? I've heard some of your stories. I've heard stories of men in this room that found themselves addicted to porn, abusing women, even believing that they were gay, and it all traced back to an encounter when they were four years old where a trusted relative seduced them, touched them, showed them images. And from that point, there's been a struggle to believe the truth about the way that God's made me because the lie that was inserted into my soul from another person. Who lied to you? Maybe it was a mom and a dad, a dad who was passive or abusive, or a mom who was controlling and overbearing, that in the context of the marriage that you watched as a child, 
they stamped on your brain a lie about what marriage was. Or, or maybe it was something you saw in a movie or something you read in a romance novel. Lies that were put into your brain by the enemy and maybe even voices that you've heard saying, you're gay. And you believe the lie and suppress the truth. What do you do with that? You suppress the lie and you believe the truth. And you begin to replace the lies, exchange the lies with sexual truth that God wants to give you a wonderful wedding gift in the context of a covenant relationship for the purpose of companionship resulting in children that would leave a legacy of godliness. That's the truth. And we have to replace the lies. How do we do that? Well, you need to separate yourself from sexual temptation. Cut off the source of the lie. If it's coming through media, if it's coming through internet, if it's coming through a smartphone, you cut off your exposure to the lie. And then you replace it with the truth of God's word. You saturate your soul with what God has said about you and about him and about marriage and about sex by reading and memorizing and washing your soul with the water of his word. And then you create a community of people that are there to encourage you and love you and hold you accountable and to pray for you, that know you and know your struggles. That's why our Uncommon Community Small Groups are so essential to sexual and marriage faithfulness. You've got to exchange the lies for the truth. And then this, allow God to define your identity. Refuse to accept what the culture says about you. Don't let anyone or anything assign your identity except the gospel. I would encourage you not to believe that you are a quote-unquote gay Christian. Why is that? Well, I'm just, I'm, I'm not acting on it. But listen, we don't, I don't walk around in church saying, hi, I'm a male Christian or I'm a female Christian. We, we don't let people go up and say, I'm an angry Christian. I'm a kleptomaniac Christian because I, I, have, I have temptation to steal things that don't belong to me. No, we don't identify with our sin. We identify with the gospel that sets us free and reassigns our identity in Jesus Christ. Look at verse 26. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. For their women exchanged natural relationships for those that are contrary to nature. Verse 27, and... The men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passions for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty of their error. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not be done. They gave up on God and God gave them up to their sin. So instead of pursuing their identity in God, they pursued their identity in their sexuality. Who does that? Here's the last thing. 
I will worship the creator rather than his creation. Look at verse 25 again. Because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. This is the ultimate problem. Is that we want to worship created things like the human body or created things like passions or the chemicals that fire in your brain, the, the oxytocin and the, the dopamine that fire, they're created things. And we end up worshiping those things rather than going to God, our creator, who created all those things and created us to have relationship with him. Listen, as we close today, if you're experiencing some guilt, that's good. That's a gift. But you've got to go somewhere with that. And we need to go to the Lord right now with Whatever he said to you, I don't know where you are. I don't know what you struggle with. We all struggle in some way. We're all tempted. And would you just acknowledge to the Lord what he already knows? Lord, I am a sexual sinner. I have stepped out of bounds. The temptations, the secret things. Maybe you've even been so hardened in marriage you're trying to find another outlet for desires and passions that God intended for you to experience only in the context of marriage. Why don't you just confess that to him? Say, Lord, I'm, I'm bringing you my passions. I'm bringing you my marriage. I'm bringing you my singleness. Lord, I recognize that you designed and defined marriage. It's a picture of your relationship with the church. Lord, I, I need help. I'm so used to covering, I'm so used to rationalizing. And Lord, as your creation, I, I want your pleasure on my life. So God, would you set me free from the chains that have bound me to sin. Just tell him that. God, would you give me a picture of what it would be like to leave a godly legacy to children that are pure? Father, I want to pray for my friends here today. God, would you empower us by your spirit to do what's right in every situation? We're all tempted. We live in a culture where there's more temptation, there's more draw, there's more darkness than there's ever been. I pray that this would be a place where people take seriously what you've said about marriage, what you've said about our gender, what you've said about our sexuality. I pray that this would be a light for people that are struggling and burned and the, the wasteland of people that have tried to find satisfaction in anything other than you. God, would this be a place where your gospel meets the deepest needs of our heart? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We've been listening to Pastor Trent Griffith urge us to keep ourselves from sexual sin, to replace lies about sex with biblical truth, to allow God to define our identities, and to choose to worship the Creator rather than the creation. When we do these things, we honor and protect marriage within the church 
while displaying the significance of marriage to those outside the church. Well, if you're looking for the kind of loving and supportive community Pastor Trent talked about in his message today, we'd love for you to join us at Harvest Bible Chapel Granger. We meet every Saturday at 5 p.m. and every Sunday at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. We're located on Hickory Road, just north of Cleveland Road in Granger, Indiana. We're also getting ready to launch an extension campus in St. Joseph, Michigan on Sunday, September 11th. To find out more information about either of our campuses, visit us online at harvestgranger.org. Well, thanks for joining us today. I'm Aaron Paulus, and I hope that God's word will resonate in your heart and mind this week. Resonate is a radio ministry of Harvest Bible Chapel, Granger. Visit us on the web at harvestgranger.org.